Hey, if you're new here, what we believe in around here is, um, is the God who wrote this book. And so what we are doing right now is we are right in the middle of a series that we've been in since January, um, where we are just walking right through the Gospel of Matthew, the story of Jesus. And so Cody and I have just been taking it verse by verse, story by story. And so tonight we're going to read just the very next story. In Matthew chapter 9. So what I thought would be good just to get us started, um, it's only five verses long. I just want to read it for us, okay? We're going to read it all the way through. And as I'm reading this, sometimes when we read the Bible, we think it's boring or, or whatever. It's because we don't know how to read it, okay? So, so while I'm reading this, like picture yourself in the moment, okay? Picture yourself like witnessing everything that's happening. Picture yourself seeing Jesus as this story um, goes out. So I'm going to read it. We're going to pray and then I'm going to do my best just to walk us through it for the night. And then we're going to eat donut holes because there are a lot left back there. So here we go. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, it says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. He rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said this, I love Jesus so much. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, Father, we're here tonight to learn. Father, we're here tonight for you. So, Spirit, would you help us? Would you help us to understand this passage and take it and apply it to our lives this week? We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, anybody, uh, any, anybody ever felt really unqualified for a task? Right? Like, like you're given a job or a task or something that you need to do, and your first thought is, yeah, I, I'm not the right person for that job. Like, like this, this, I'd need to pass this on to somebody else. This is like a daily occurrence for me. Like, I, I live in the unqualified category, you know? And, and I was thinking this week about the time that I felt the most unqualified in my life. And I think, there's been a lot of them, but I, I think it was a, a couple of years ago, I was traveling with a couple of my buddies, and we were in a third world country away from hospitals, okay, so there were no hospitals close by, and even if they were, like, don't quite want to go there kind of a thing, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and um, it's Sunday afternoon, nice Sunday afternoon, we have the afternoon off, so we go down the street to, to some of our friends. There's a, a missionary family living there, and they actually like have a backyard with a pool and a trampoline, and so it's just a little taste of home for us. So, so we go there for the afternoon, and we're swimming. And now there, there's something about swimming pools, and say amen if you agree with this, where you look at it and you go, this is fun, but like really what I need to do right now is make this more dangerous somehow. You know, like, what is it? What is it about pools that go, how can we make this dangerous? And so we find an inner tube, right? Uh, uh, an inner tube, but it's an old, old, like probably 20-year-old inner tube. It's so old that it still has those, like, metal things on them where you, you blow it up. Instead of it being rubber, it was metal, and it was sticking out, but we didn't know that it was sticking out. And so we grab this inner tube, and um, we're, we're putting it out in, in the pool, and we're trying to dive through it, you know, because that's just, that's just what you do. Well, um... My buddy Ethan uh, did this, and he dove through the inner tube, 
came up, was in a bit of shock. He wasn't quite, I don't think he quite understood what was happening. And I look at him and there's just blood running all the way down his head. The, the, the thing made a, 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 um, a wound in his head that was about that long and it was just gushing, gushing. Now I'm not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I'm not the sharpest tool, but I know that blood coming out of your head is not good. Right, so, so I'm there, and it's me and my brother and, and Ethan, and my brother and I are just looking at each other like, okay, like, I guess, I guess this is us, right? Like, I guess my number's being called right now. We need to save our, our friend's life, but I have no medical experience. I have no idea what I'm doing, so we, like, grab a, a shirt. Why do you always get a shirt when you have to stop bleeding? I, I don't know. Like, we like, grab a shirt. We're trying to stop it, and then we end up um, shaving his head, shaving the hair off, and, and trying to stitch it up. Okay, now, 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 you're going, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Okay, fine. I filmed it, and we're going to show it to you. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Not the actual stitching part, the, the, the pre-surgery, okay? If you don't like blood, just don't watch, like, the first 10 seconds of this, okay? Seriously, seriously, don't watch it. Play it. Help people with it. You can make a video for Ryan and Effie and say, says, help people with it. There, there it is. Like that. yeah. There it is. That's a shot. Cool. <laughs> See what happened. Oh. All right, that's enough. That's enough uh, of that. So, so <laughs> I'm holding the camera. My brother's like kind of got a little experience, he thinks, and so we figure out a way to just kind of glue this thing shut, and we make do with it, and he still has this giant scar running all the way down, and hair doesn't grow there, and it's just, it's awesome, right? It's this beautiful thing. But I was thinking about that this week because I've realized in my life there have been so many moments where I just feel like the guy who's got a buddy with his head bleeding who's being called to go stitch it up and just having no idea what to do. Like, isn't this just being a young adult, right? Like, isn't this just the season that we're in as we head into these next stages of our lives and we're like, I'm supposed to get married or I'm supposed to get this job or I'm supposed to move out or whatever it is. And as these things happen, we go, I don't feel qualified to do that. Right? And to make matters worse, we live in a culture that is all about being qualified. Right? We spend thousands of dollars to get a piece of paper that says we're qualified to do this, that, or the other. Right? We go to job interviews, and that's all the job interview is. The, the employer wants to know, hey, is this guy, is this girl qualified for this position? First date is just like, like a job interview. Right? It's the same thing. Is this going to work? And I don't know about you, but, but throughout my life, I have felt like it's just one thing after another, one, one chance to prove myself after uh, another. And the problem is, that's exhausting, isn't it? Like it, it just wears you out where time and time and time again, you have to prove yourself. I moved around a ton growing up, and so it was like I, I would get in, and I would make my friends, and I would like prove myself, and then we'd pack up and go to the next place, and I'd have to do it again and again and again. Well, I think, I think that Jesus knew that this was coming. I think that Jesus knew that we would be sitting in this room 2,000 years later struggling with this idea of feeling qualified. 
Uh, I, I think he understood, because he knew human so well, because he was a human, that one of the biggest questions going on in our minds is constantly, am I enough? Right? Like, like, do I measure up? Do I have what it takes? Can I get the job done? And that fear, it's, it's paralyzing sometimes, right? And when it's not paralyzing, it's exhausting. And I'll be the, the first one to say that it, it plagues my mind all the time. And yet this passage that we just read about Jesus that we're going to work through right now, I think is Jesus offering us another way. I think Jesus offering us freedom from the constant just slavery of always asking, am I enough? Am I enough? So there's three things I want to point out throughout this passage, and we're just going to take it verse by verse as we go through. So here we go. Back to Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, I love that Jesus was just proactive, you guys ever notice that in, in the scriptures? It's always just like Jesus, and then Jesus went to the next town. Then he went to the next town. And then he said, hey, let's go try this over here. Right? And, and I think that, that sometimes what we have to realize as young adults is we just got to go try things. Right? We just got to move. We just got to just, just get up and try that job right? or, or take some classes or, or have that conversation or whatever it is. Whole another sermon. Can't go there. Can you imagine like, Hey, Cody, I got through like the first six words of, of Matthew 9, 9, so, so there you go. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to get further than that. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. Okay, pause. We need to do a little work here. Matthew, this guy named Matthew was a tax collector. Okay, that may not sound very significant to, to some of you, but it was huge. Okay, tax collectors in, in those days were not good people. And nobody, nobody really liked them. In fact, when you hear the word tax collector, it's usually coupled with tax, collect, tax collectors and sinners, right? They're, they're the people that, that nobody likes. And the reason why is because the world at that time, the known world, was ruled by Rome. So Rome um, just ruled the, a, a massive amount of land. And in order to, to rule a, a massive amount of land, you need a military, right? Well, how do you fund a military that large, you tax the people. So, so this would just be another ordinary day for, for these Jewish men as they're going about their business. They, they, they walk up to the tax booth and they just get taxed. It, it's just a, a normal thing. But think about it through the eyes of, of a Jewish man. You don't like tax collectors very much, right? You don't like the guy that's taking your money to fund the very military that is keeping you oppressed, and to make matters worse, to make matters worse, they would get Jewish men to be the tax collectors. So Matthew was a Jewish guy who essentially became a traitor. Right? He, he sold out for a number of reasons. We don't get the backstory to Matthew, but he sells out and he says, all right, Rome, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll tax my own people so that I can make some money doing it. He was a traitor. Tax collectors weren't liked. And if we need another reason not to like them, they were known, they were kind of notorious for, for just um, not being very honest people. So if you need to tax them 20 bucks, you tax them 30, then you keep the extra 10, right? This is just how the system works. So as these guys are walking into the next town, you can imagine like Peter and John walking by, walking by the tax collector and just like giving them their, their money and just kind of upset, like not making eye contact, whatever. But Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He walks straight up to Matthew, 
walks straight up to Matthew, and it says this. And he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Now that, that phrase, those two words have, have a lot, right? Those two words are, are weighty words. And Jesus uses it multiple times throughout scripture, like when he calls Peter and Andrew and John and James and the rest of the guys. He's constantly saying, hey, 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 come follow me. So, so I'm speculating a, a little bit here, but what it seems like Jesus is doing is Matthew in his normal, normal days is sitting there going, yeah, I'm collecting this money. Yeah, nobody likes me. Yeah, nobody will even look me in the eye. And then Jesus walks straight up to him and essentially said, hey, uh, Matthew, you exhausted yet? Right? Like, Matthew, you tired yet? Matthew, you, you tired uh, of trying to, to answer this question in your mind, am I good enough yet? Like, do I measure up? Do I have what it takes? Can I make enough money um, um, working against my fellow Jews to prove to myself or my family or whatever it is that I'm enough? Matthew, you tired of running this rat race yet? You, you want a, another way? Let me tell you what you're really looking for. Why don't you come follow me? Well, why don't you come with me? Now, now if you're a thinker in here, you might be going, are you kidding me? Like, like there are so many more qualified people that Jesus could have chosen. <laughs> and you're probably not alone. Peter and John and those guys are probably thinking the exact same thing, right? Like, Jesus, what are you doing, man? Like, like, we just, we got this crew going, and we're doing pretty good, and like, I don't really like that Judas guy over there, but everybody else is cool, so like, like, let's just, let's just keep it the way that it is, right? And then they hear those words, no, Matthew, follow me, and they gotta just be thinking, no, not him, not the traitor, and yeah, that's exactly who Jesus walked up to, and so the first thing that, that we got to realize tonight is that Jesus, Jesus was all about the lost, right? That was Jesus' heartbeat. He wanted to reach the lost. And it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter how far gone you were. Jesus is going, yeah, you. I, I, I choose you. So my, my first little, little bullet point is that qualification is much more about willingness than it is about talent, right? Qualification is much more uh, about being willing to go than it is about an ability to perform or ability to whatever. Because to Matthew's credit, what does he do? He, he, he stands up, he puts everything down, and he follows Jesus. You got to be thinking in your mind, like, like Matthew's going, I'm, I am not the right guy for this, right? I, like, I got to stitch up my buddy's head, and I've, I'm not an EMT at, at all. Like, what am I going to do with Jesus is much more concerned with our willingness to go than he is with our ability to go. This is all throughout the Bible. You guys, this is one of the major themes of the Bible, right? God comes up to, to Moses, and he's going, hey, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt and, and break your people free of slavery. And what does Moses say? Can't do that. Hey, you got the wrong guy, Right? So, so, so some of you are, are sitting in, in this room right now, and you're going, yeah, that's cute, Ryan. You got your whole spiel up there, but I'm not the right person. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you don't know where I've been, right? But, but, but what about, like, like um, Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6? If you know that story, the Israelites are, are um, being attacked by, by the Midianites, I, I think, 
whatever. Thanks, Cam. And Gideon's in this cave, and he's hiding. He's hiding because he's scared of the Midianites, right? And God shows up. Angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, uh, hey mighty man of God. <laughs> you think Gideon's just going, ah, oh, he's not talking to me right now. I'm in this cave hiding. And the angel goes, yeah, 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 mighty, mighty man of God. And what's got to be going through Gideon's mind at that point is, how could you call me? You don't, you don't know who I am. I'm hiding right now. I'm not good at this kind of a thing. You know, like that's for, that's for other people. That's for like the heroes of the faith. I'm not that great, but over and over and over again in scripture, we see story after story of God using very, very unqualified men and women to go do what he needs them to do. In other words, God can say to Gideon, hey, Gideon, I can call you what you're not, because I am who I am, right? Gideon, I can call you a mighty man of God, not because you are one, but because I am awesome, right? And I'm going to work through you, and I'm going to use you. So get up. Get up. Let's go. And then we see Jesus come on the scene, and it's the same exact thing over and over and over again. Like, the team that Jesus picks is not good. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, like, what are you doing, man? And then it gets even worse with Matthew, but he says, hey, Follow me. So the first thing is we're trying to figure out this question of why am I so paralyzed by, by this fear of not being enough? Why am I so, so um, exhausted by this felt need to always be performing and always be measuring up to people's standards? The first thing that we got to realize is it's not really on us. Qualification is not so much about ability. It's about willingness. The story goes on, verse 10. Looks like the scene changes, right? They're out kind of in the town, at the tax booth, and now they're at a house. Looks like it's, it might be Matthew's house. And it says, as, and as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Okay, we need to do an exercise real quick. It's gonna be a little scary. I want you to imagine Close your eyes if you need to. I want you to think back and imagine your very first day of junior high. <laughs> safe place, guys, safe place. It's not really happening. I know, repressed memories are coming up and the whole deal. I get it. Think back to that first day at junior high. You're there, you're trying to figure out life. You've got a whole lot of questions about a whole lot of things. Fourth period finally ends and it's time for lunch, right? Any, any sack lunch bringers? Anybody bring their lunch to school? I, was, I brought my lunch to school every day, but the problem was I, like, I carried it with me throughout the day. So like by halfway through your second period, it's gone, right? Because you're like throwing your, your, like, your Cheez-Its or in your backpack, and you're trying to be super discreet, you know, and you're, you're totally that guy. So the fourth period ends, and you're like, well, it's lunchtime, but I don't have a lunch, and so I got to go buy something but now I'm in junior high so they have like hot pizza and I think I've like made it for some reason or whatever whatever <laughs> um and, and you're walking into cafeterias is cafeterias a thing California you guys just have like outside eating areas right in Colorado there's a big cafeteria here outside eating area whatever Walking in there, and you see everybody. You see all the different tables. You see all the different groups. And you are faced with, like, the biggest decision of your life up to that point, right? First day of junior high, who am I going to eat this meal with? Because who I eat this meal with is going to define, like, like the rest of my junior high career. And at that point, that is all you can ever think about. 
right? And, and, and so you walk in, and you're all nervous, and you think everyone's looking at you for some reason, even though everyone's thinking about themselves, and nobody even, even knows that you exist, or maybe that was just me, or, or I, I don't know. Think about that, and then re, we're going to reread this passage, because in those days, who you ate a meal with was very similar to a junior high lunchroom. Because they valued meals that much. Because they valued being together that much. So who you identified with, who you sat down and ate a meal with, said everything about you. Let's read it again. Verse 10, and as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. First things first, Jesus is reclining. He's literally like laying down. At this table, and it wasn't weird, it was the custom in those days, but, but what that symbolized is, hey, I'm here, and I'm not just like here making my rounds. You know the guy that like comes into the party and kind of stays on the circumference, you know, and he's just kind of like slapping fives, making his rounds, taking a couple selfies, and then you know he's out of there in like, like five minutes, right? But, but then you keep walking Uh, like a little bit deeper into the house and there's some people who are kind of like eating the finger food or whatever and you know they're going to be there for a little bit longer. Then you go into this back room and there's always like just some people like really hanging out. You know, it's like, okay, these these are the guys, the girls, whatever, that are just here. Well, this was Jesus. Jesus was reclining at the table with the tax collectors and the sinners. But what makes it even better is the second part of that verse, and they were reclining with him. In other words, the worst of the worst, right? The tax collectors, the sinners, the ones that we look at and go, ah, oh, they're, they're so wrong. Hanging out with Jesus, feeling comfortable with Jesus. Here's why this is so important, guys. Because sin has this weird way of making us feel very unqualified, doesn't it? Like, seriously, if I was the tax collector, if I was Matthew in this story, and Jesus wanted to come to my house and hang out with me, the whole time in the back of my mind, I'd be thinking, I, I'm not your guy. I shouldn't be here. You don't, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been, and yet they feel completely at ease with Jesus. Why? Why? Because Jesus was looking past that. Jesus was looking at something different. See, comparison Comparison is rooted in insecurity, right? Comparison is rooted in something deeper, something that that Jesus never intended for us to dive into. And I would argue this is at the heart of always feeling unqualified, of always feeling like we're not enough, of always feeling like we can't measure up because we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. You you ever thought, like, it's not that we want so bad to, like, have things. It's that we want to have more things than, like, the other person, right? Like, it's not so much that that we want to have a bunch of followers on Instagram. It's just that we want more than everybody else, right? Like, I'll feel better if I have more than that person. It's not that we want a good job. It's that we want a better job than other people at an earlier age. You ever ever just take note of how often we ask each other how old we are? Okay, so here's your resume. You've been doing this, that, and that. Okay, how old are you? Just so I have a frame of reference. Okay, you're four years older than me. Okay, good. So I know I have four years to, to get up past that bar a little bit, right? Like, like this is what we do. There's, there's this competition rooted in comparison or, or rooted in insecurity that keeps us just constantly, constantly, constantly trying to outperform each other. And yet when Jesus is in the room, it doesn't appear to be any of that going on. When Jesus is in the room, everyone's just like, oh, we're fine. We're chilling. 
We're, we're, we're good to go. It's Jesus. That's Jesus, and he's hanging out, so I'm hanging out, and so we're good. But, but this is going to get even worse because um, a, a new set of characters is going to get introduced. It says, and when the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the ones that were zealous to try to do everything good, saw this, they said to his disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, here's the danger uh, of constantly trying to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Soon enough, you try to do, you're, you're just trying, you, have, you mean well, you're trying to do the right things, but before you know it, you start trying to do those right things for the wrong reason of, of trying to qualify yourself, right? Well, hey, if I can just behave, if I can just be good enough, then, then maybe I'll be enough. Maybe I'll be enough if I, can just, if I can just get there, if I can just do enough good things, if I can just serve enough, if I can just love enough, whatever, then maybe, just maybe, I won't stay up all night wondering why or if I'm going to be enough, wondering if I'm going to measure up to the world's standards. Maybe, just maybe, I'll find some peace, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and we see it not working here, because what are the Pharisees doing? They're trying to compare themselves to, to, to Jesus. They see Jesus as a threat. The Pharisees are constantly threatened by Jesus because he's doing what they're trying to do, but he's doing it better. And everybody's looking at Jesus and going, I want to follow that guy. And so the Pharisees are going, hey, what about us? So now they see him with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. And they go, this is our chance. This is our chance. Hey, why is he doing that? Oh, he's, he's pretty into, he's a tax collector now, huh? He's trying to get like on the inside trade so you can start making some money. He's a, he's a sinner now, right? This is, this is what they're doing. They're comparing themselves. And if we can be honest in the room, and this one's going to, to sting a little bit, but it's good for us. I think a big question that we have to constantly ask ourselves is, hey, um, what do you do with other people's moral failures, right? Like, like, how do you, honestly, not, not what you say, because we all say the right things or whatever, but when somebody, one of your friends, whatever, comes up to you and explains something that, that happened, how they messed up or they whatever, what goes on in your heart? Because, because for me, if I'm honest, in my, my darker moments, one of the, the just dark things that happens is we kind of celebrate it, Right? Because, and, and I would never say that, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I would never say that, but what's going on is at some place in our heart, we're going, man, if he's messing up like that, then I'm cool, right? If he's doing that, then, then I'm moving up in the ranks. I'm good. This works out well for me, but brother, I'm going to be praying for you, right? I'm so, in fact, I'm going to go tell all my friends and gossip about what's going on so that we can all pray for you, right? And, and right, this is like the weird thing that we do or, or whatever. But all is that's showing is that we've missed it. We've missed it. In our hearts, we're playing this comparison game. So the, the second thing that we got to realize is that comparison is a trap. It just is. It's poison. Man, it brings us down all the time we have this constant felt need to compare ourselves to one another and yet when Jesus is there when Jesus is hanging out with them they don't feel it they're good everything is fine the tax collectors get that the 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 sinners get that but the Pharisees haven't gotten it yet so let's read the rest of the story it says 
And when the fair, or the song, why is he eating with sinners? Verse 12. But when he heard it, he said, hey, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So if this good um, acid test for, for where we're at with all of this would be, how, how do you handle other people's moral failures? Uh, another good question to ask is, hey, how do you handle your own moral failures? Like, like, like what happens in the darker times? What, what happens when you, you mess up? What is your first thought when, when, when things happen or you, you go down the wrong path or, or play it out in your own mind, how, however it goes? Are, are we the type of people that, that go, well, dang it, dang it, now I'm even more, now I'm even less qualified. Now, now I'm definitely not going to measure up. Or do we realize who Jesus is? We realize what he came here to do. So the final thing, the third step, and really the most important step, and it's really everything, is if we're, if we're trying to figure out, hey, what is this comparison trap that we fall into? What, what is this always feeling unqualified thing that's going on? How do I get out of feeling so exhausted by that? The, the thing we gotta do is turn our eyes back to Jesus. Turn our eyes back to Jesus and keep them there. And when we stray, get them right back to Jesus and constantly fill our minds, fill our hearts, fill our lives with things about Jesus. Right, this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, um, listen, if you think that you're good, if you think that you got this under control, then I can't help you very much. When you realize you're sick, when you realize how badly you need a savior and you turn back to me and you focus your eyes on Jesus, then all of a sudden we can start to get somewhere. I remember uh, years ago, I was a sophomore in college, and um, just getting my life back on track, you know, trying to, trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, and, and starting to feel like I'm, I'm getting it. You know, starting to feel like I've, I've hit my stride a, a little bit. So I'm at this, this college ministry, and I, I'm getting involved, and I'm, I'm leading a small group. You know, so I got underclassmen who, who are coming to me, and we're, we're opening up the Bible, and we're, we're going, we're praying for each other, and it's great. Um, there's a, there's a, a street in Colorado by our university where a bunch of um, guys that live on the street hang out. And so um, I, I started making the, these, all these brown bags like I brought to junior high, right? I'd make all these, these brown bags and, and I would sell them for a dollar at the church and we'd all take them out and, and give them to them and sit down with them and have conversations, right? And so ministry's starting to happen and I'm feeling good. Feeling like I'm finally getting my life like back on track. But, but uh, old habits run pretty deep, you know? Right? And as we, we, we try to get our lives back on track, oftentimes those things creep back up. And, and um, one Saturday night came around, and I just had a tough night, man. Had a, had a tough night. Woke up Sunday morning, went to church. I'll never forget, I'll never forget this. I went to church, sitting there, we're worshiping, looking around, watching everybody worship. And here's the thought going through my mind. I shouldn't be here. I, not me, man, not, not, not after what I did. Here's the deal. God, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to go get 10 bags. I'm going to go out to the streets. I'm going to do some ministry. Uh, I'm going to meet 10 guys, and, and I'm, I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to pray for them. And, and if you want me to do more than 10, I'll do more. You tell me what you need me to do. Let me balance out the score. Right? Like, isn't this just our nature? 
Doesn't, doesn't legalism just sound good sometimes? Like, hey, hey, I made a mistake. Let me get this right. Problem with that is it flies in the face of what Jesus just said. Hey, um, Ryan, I, I didn't come to call you when you're good. Uh, I came to call sick Ryan. <laughs> I came to call Ryan who realizes he's not good. Ryan who realizes that he needs a savior. Because if you're good, you don't need a physician. <laughs> it's those who are bad. See, my, my mind and my heart, as I'm still trying, I'm still wrestling through the gospel that sets us free from that condemnation, sets us free from that need to go even out the score. Right? As I continue to do that and continue to, to strive towards Jesus, all of a sudden you start to find some real freedom from the comparison trap that this world's going to throw on us, right? And so what's the answer this week when we start to feel insecure again about, about our lives? Not, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't. I'm not good enough to, to have that conversation or whatever. We get our minds off of ourselves. We get them back on Jesus. This is a, a continual process, right? So it's a continual process, and that's why I love that Jesus told Matthew all those years ago, hey, Matthew, I want you to come follow me. I want you to come walk through life with me because this is going to be a process. It's going to be a process of you getting past all the things that made you be a tax collector to begin with and me helping to show you that this literally is a better way to live. The amazing thing uh, about this call is that Jesus' call to Matthew is the exact same call that Jesus was giving to all the other sinners reclining at the table with Jesus. But not only that, it was the exact same call that he was giving to the Pharisees who thought they were better than everybody else. Right, because the Pharisees were just as lost. The Pharisees were going, I got this, uh, I, I'm cool. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not. <laughs> I, I've come to call the lost, I'm talking to you. Right? I wanna give you this opportunity to stop trying to build this ladder up to heaven and just surrender and say, no, I need help. Uh, I need help, Pharisees, there's, there's freedom here. And so the amazing thing about a room like this tonight is we've got so many people from so many different walks of life and yet the exact same offer is on the table for every one of us. For, for every one of us, no matter who you would identify more with in that story, the tax collector, the sinner, the disciples, the Pharisees, whoever, the exact same offer is on the table, an offer to stop trying to earn it on your own. So here's what happens when we start following Jesus. When we start following Jesus, the wind changes in our mind. What is success changes in our minds. See, this isn't one of those, those pep talks, but Jesus, you can go do everything, conquer the world, whatever, although those are needed in certain situations. What I'm trying to argue tonight is that as we start to follow Jesus, the real win is that we start to realize what success really looks like. You ever talk to, to a, a, an old person who's, who's just kind of done life the right way? And they, they reflect back on their life. My, my grandma turned 90 yesterday, which is awesome. Uh, I talked to her on the phone. You can, just, you can hear it in her voice. She, she's getting up there in age, but you can hear it in her voice when she reflects back on her life. It's not the accomplishments. Right? She started her own business. She, she killed it. She, she did great things with, with my grandpa. But you hear her talking about the way that she loved people, the way that she hung out with people, the way that she spent time with 
people, the way that she not, not got into this rat race and tried to prove herself all the time, but, but just took a step back from that and realized that Jesus is Lord, so I'm just going to work and walk out of an overflow of that. Man, those are the things that we remember. So as we start following Jesus, suddenly what starts to happen is ever so slowly, whether it's a good day or a bad day, we have success or failure, we're laughing or crying, we get to the end of the day and we go, I'm with Jesus. And I, got, like, I hung out with Jesus today, so my life is a success. My life is a success. Let's talk about getting out of that comparison trap, right? The, the, the comparison trap that the world sucks us into. Talk about getting out of that, that trap of, hey, you're never going to measure up. Well, guess what? You've got Jesus. You've got Jesus, so you win. We win, right? It's beautiful. It's, it's the, the best news ever. So, so let me end with, with one last story. Um, uh, we had a, a baptism this afternoon um, for Champions Club which is our, our program for, for children with special needs. And it was one of the most amazing things that I, I've ever gotten to be a part of. Um, a man, Michael, over there got baptized, and it was just uh, amazing, dude. And we're so proud of you. So awesome, man. There's a, there's a little boy who um, ended up coming down the stairs. Kyle had to carry him down the stairs, and we, we take him into the pool and he's just, just the, the cutest little boy, and, and um, talking to him down there in the water, and he, he can say, you know, a couple words and, and whatever. And um, I look at him and say, hey, why, why, why are you getting baptized? And are you ready to follow Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? He's got this smile on his face. You see it in his eyes. He's like, yeah, of course. I'm good. Right? Let's do this thing. What are we waiting for? I want to get baptized. I want to follow Jesus. And so we, we baptize um, all, all these kids, and, and um, Doyle and I are talking to him afterwards. And, and we're down there talking to, to this kid, and Doyle goes, hey, tell me, tell me why you want to get baptized. And he goes, Jesus, Jesus. And with a smile on his face and, and just the, the coolest eyes, his mom from behind us goes, well, who's Jesus? Where, where, where is Jesus? And he looks at us and he goes, in my heart. And I'm sitting there, and as I'm trying to, I got this whole talk running through my mind. I'm hanging out with this kid, and you hear the simplicity in his voice, right? Like you hear the, of course, uh, of course Jesus died for me. <laughs> of course I don't have to try to run this rat race. Of course I'm a success. Jesus lives in my heart. <laughs> I'm starting to think, man, I, I wish I could just get that, <laughs> you know? And meanwhile, I'm all running around trying to put a great message together and, and, and perform and, and measure up and be the guy and whatever. And it's like, oh, maybe if we could just learn how to recline with Jesus, sit with Jesus, and be more like, like Brady today who's going, hey, we got Jesus, man. Why are, we so, why are we so worked up? Let's go eat lunch, you know? Like, it's all good. Then maybe, just maybe, we have a chance this week of experiencing some real freedom, some true freedom, some freedom that transcends our current circumstances, some freedom that transcends anything that's going on in our lives. Maybe, just maybe, we can find some freedom in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And as we start to do that day after day, getting our eyes focused back on Jesus, back on Jesus, back on Jesus, allowing him to transform our hearts, transform our lives.
I think we're going to feel that, that qualification that we're so desperate for. I think we're going to find the answer to that question, am I enough? I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe you'll fail, maybe you'll, you'll succeed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you got Jesus, now you're freed up just to go, just to run, just to, to love people, just to, just to live your life to the fullest extent that you can live it. And that is the invitation on the table. So we're going to sing one more song. Uh, a song about the beautiful exchange that Jesus gave for each one in this room. And as we sing this song, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this idea of being qualified, of being enough. I want you to think about this Jesus guy, maybe for the first time ever. Tonight, I want you to think about the, the, this Jesus guy, and maybe, just maybe, you try just hanging out with him. As we sing this song, just going, all right, Jesus, here I am. All the brokenness, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, here I am. Here I am. I, I, I give you my life. You guys, that's where freedom is found. That's where joy is found. That's where love is found. That's where an ability to go out into a lost and dying world with a beautiful message of hope is found. So that's what we're going to do tonight as we sit at the table with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, thank you. Thank you for this room. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these young adults. And Lord, as we step to your table again and sing these songs, Lord, would you help us? At a soul level, Father, would you help us understand what you have done for us a little bit more? Understand that we're called, not because we're qualified or awesome, but because you are. So we give you this time. We give you these songs. In Jesus' name.